You ever been frustrated? No, never. This morning, I don't know. I don't know if it was the devil at work, God at work this morning. I, but I walked in to what? Mary and Betty in here couldn't get the guitar for And then I set everything up for the live stream for Shiloh to push a button that says go live. And it didn't work. I went up there and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. Uh, it's finally going. This week, quietly, Facebook changed all their settings. I noticed it on the phone. I didn't think it would affect that, but it has. So now I've got to, after church, at some point, figure out how to redo the website because it's not playing there today. But it is playing on Facebook, so that's frustration. There have been many times in, in several points in our children's lives when I become exasperated. Uh, maybe getting children to sleep, explaining why we can't watch this video, explaining why you can't have that electronic. Explaining why you have to do this chore. And some of those issues, mostly like getting babies to sleep at night, I just throw my hands up. Say, here, they're yours. God literally didn't build me with the equipment that I need to put that baby to sleep. Because that baby is only wanting one thing in that moment. And it's not daddy. It's mom. And so I'll just keep trying. I mean, I, I could keep trying. Right? I could keep going. Without the feeling that they're wanting. But I know that the longer I stay in the room, and the longer the child who is beyond listening to me grows more and more frustrated, the chance of me becoming angry grow. So I get to my breaking point. I say, here, Carrie, they're yours. And two minutes later, God built women with the equipment they need. It's done. Frustration is a common theme in parenting. Would you agree? Yes. <laughs> Happens a lot. Uh, and as I read our text this week, as we continue in our series in Malachi, return to me, I almost entitled this sermon, Israel's Terrible Twos. I mean, that's kind of, kind of where it's at. Uh, as we get into the text in a moment, you'll see... God's frustration with the people who are trying to push the limits, trying to figure out exactly where they begin and God ends. That's, that's what they're doing. And they're pushing against it. And then God, when you hear what he says, you just go, yeah, I've been there with my kids. I get it. You know, we, we, under, we began the series last week talking about God's love and how God loved us and how He'll always love us and His love's unchanging and His love's unmerited and His love is constant and it stays there and it doesn't go away and everything He's going to say in the book is rooted in that love. <coughs> and He has to say that because you know, how many of you have had those hard talks with your children? But I love them. But... And then there's something that's coming. This is the book. In Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 6, we find God talking to a very specific group within Israel. So, 
It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. But if I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is your fear of me, says Yahweh of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. You ask, how have we defiled you? When you say the Lord's table is contemptible. When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Lord of hosts. And now ask for God's favor, and he'll be gracious to us. Since this has come from your hands, will he show you any favor? Ask the Lord of hosts. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will accept no offering from your hands. For my name will be great among the nations. From the rising of the sun to its setting, incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place, because my name will be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. But you are profaning it when you say the Lord's table is defiled, and its product, its food is contemptible. You also say, look, what a nuisance. And you scorn it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering? Am I to accept that from your hands, asked the Lord? The deceiver is cursed, who has an acceptable male in his flock and makes a vow that sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says Yahweh of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Therefore, this decree is for you, priests, if you don't listen, and if you don't take it to heart to honor my name, says Yahweh of hosts, I will send a curse among you, and I will curse your blessings. In fact, I have already begun to curse them because you are not taking it to heart. Look, I'm going to rebuke your descendants and I will spread animal waste over your faces, the waste of your festival sacrifices, and you'll be taken away with it. Then you will know that I sent you this decree so my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave these to him. It called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and fairness and stirred many from sin. But the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, because he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. You, on the other hand, have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have violated the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I, in turn, have made you despise and humiliate before all the people because you are not keeping my ways but are showing partiality in your instruction. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel that works and I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things and of your son Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love you, son, but uh, you're not doing what I should do. That's, that's where he starts, right? He's, he's just done. You can hear the exasperation in God's voice. Because this is, this is the Israel who has had all the blessings and all the things that God has given to him. That's that Israel. And yet, they didn't listen, and they went into exile, and now they're bringing them brought back, and things are starting to go again, and they're still not doing what God has called them to do. He's exasperated. He's done. And the first question he asks is, is, is where is my honor? You know, God deserves our honor. That's it. That's what we find here. God deserves 
our honor. Says a father gets honored, a master gets honored. Should not the Lord of hosts receive honor? Before we can begin to contemplate and understand the complaints that God has, we first have to agree and understand that God, above all, deserves honor. What we think of someone directly affects how we treat and react to them. It's, it's human nature. Uh, I can have two different people from two different walks of life who come to me for the same thing. And there will be a judgment made in who I am because of how I see each person. That, that's just it. We, when we see people a certain way, we either give respect or we don't. And so in order for us to understand what God is saying here, we have to believe that he deserves honor. It's a strange thing for me. I had this conversation last night. Graduating college and graduating seminary. Um, these men and women who used to be my mentors, they were my professors, they held my future in their hand, have now become colleagues. There's a shift there. And sometimes I still quite, I don't know how to deal with that shift. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to go from Doctor Doctor Grambling to calling him Gary. I don't. I don't know how, because there's a certain level of honor in my mind that he has because of who he was. I have, thankfully. The pastor who baptized me, who still has a big part of my life, I've always called him Jerry, so I don't have that issue. But there still is a difference in how I treat him because of how we reacted to each other our entire lives. He is still someone that I go to, and his word I will hold higher than someone else's because he is at that place of honor in my life. And so we have to agree that God deserves honor. I think sometimes what happens with God in Baptist churches is we get caught up in what a friend we have with Jesus. And we forget that he's also holy, holy, holy. There was a there was a movement when I was in high school. So that Jesus was my homeboy. Okay. But he's also your God. Amen. He's also your king. And there's something there. You know, I don't know how, how many of you I've, I've talked with, even in, even in the physical realm, that there's been a shift in our society on how people view different offices. There was a time when you honored the president because he was the president. Now we don't. There was a time when people had honor because of who they were, because of what they had attained, and now it's just like, well, eh, 
It doesn't matter. And that directly affects how we treat you. How can we honor God if we don't think he deserves honor? If we don't see him as God? If we don't see him as the one who created us and holds us in his hand? We begin to ask those same questions. Well, how, how do we despise you? How have we defiled you? I mean, come on, God, I'm doing everything you ask me to do. Israel has a problem here that wasn't too far off from a contemporary problem. They're checking all the boxes of what it means to follow God. But they're not doing what God wants them to do because worshiping out of habit can dishonor God. Can't. Checking the boxes, if that's all you do, is not true worship. But that's what Israel was doing. Israel was checking the boxes. Well, I'm bringing, a, I'm bringing a sacrifice. I'm making my way to the temple. I'm doing the things I'm called to do. They were going to church. They were giving their offering, but they were feeling disconnected. Worship had simply become a commitment they carried out rather than a relationship that they cherished. If anybody had a set of rules to check off, it was Israel. <laughs> if you read the Old Testament, just the first five books, all those rules, I'm glad I don't have to keep them anymore. I couldn't do it. But they were trying. They were just marking them off. They had become weighed down. They were doing all of these things. And so and they wanted, but God wanted more. Instead of looking forward to getting to the temple, they were looking forward to leaving the temple. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the after party. The roast at home. The dinner at the restaurant. Ever found yourself there? So absorbed of what's going on afterwards that you miss what God's doing here? That's what Israel was doing. They were, they were giving these joyful songs of ascent is what they're supposed to be doing. The worship of the Old Testament was just, it was amazing to me because all these pilgrims go up together and as they walk up the mountain towards Jerusalem, they're singing these joyful songs of ascent. Man, it's, it's, but they quit doing that. Because now they act like it's, it's a trudge up that hill. It's Sunday again. It's Saturday again. i got to mark i got to walk up the hill. I've got to go to temple. I've got to do this. The prosperity that God had brought, brought with it a begrudging nature to their giving. They weren't bringing what the law prescribed. They were holding back what was given. We dishonor God when we don't bring our best. It's, it's, not, it's not that we give. It's what we give that counts. Here, we're not talking about tithes and offerings. We're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about bringing a gift to God because he's God. Romans 12 one says, What therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, but this is your spiritual act of worship. We are called still today to bring our best to God. We come and we say, here God, take it. Take it. And so often what happens is we go, God, when I finish the things that I need to finish, I'll get to what you want me to do. Oh. <laughs> you know, oh, my children, my sweet children, There are times, and Carrie knows where I'm going with this. She's over there going, amen. Yes. <laughs> there are times when we'll say, Shallow, I need you to do this. 
How many of you have heard this from your kids? Just a minute, I'm doing this first. Eh, no. Now. But do we not do that to God? God says, I want you to go do this. And we say, well, okay, God, when I finish doing this that I need to do over here, then I'll get to what you have me to do. And God's saying, no, I ask you to do it. Give me your best. Don't give me the rest. You know, we, we live in hypocrisy when we give our best to others because of their station in life, yet we give less than our best to God. How many of you, this is going to sound sexist, but I don't mean it to be, but how many of you ladies, when someone's coming to the house, doesn't matter who it is, you clean that house? I didn't say men because, you know, we just go there. We're like, we can sit on the porch. As long as it's clean to get to the bathroom, we're good. I mean, but ladies, we do that, right? We get things ready. And we do other things. If someone's important, we do things and we make sure we give our best. Well, I'm going to give them this, but then sometimes we don't bring what God asks us to bring. We carve out time for the people that we find important. We carve out that time. We say, okay, this person's important. I'm going to give them that time. There are people in our lives that if they call us, we will drop everything to get there. We'll do it. Do we do that for God? <laughs> when God calls us, do we drop everything to get there? Or how many of us have been this way? <laughs> you know, I know those, those, those concert tickets are $150 a piece, but man, that's a really good band. That ain't that much to cost. That ain't much to pay for those. But, yeah, I don't know that I can give that guy. For the or, you know, I really need me a soy half calf mocha, broca, frappe, latte, frappuccino from Starbucks that costs eight bucks. And it's okay because I budgeted for it, but no, I don't, I don't have five, five bucks to, to give towards that, that thing, Brother Troy. We fall there, right? When we find something important, we, we, we give our best towards what's important. But God doesn't want halfway worship. He doesn't want us worshiping halfway. He doesn't want us to worship. He doesn't want to worship void of relationship. It's easy to come and just sit. I can get through anything. I just sit. I've had some boring classes in college and I just sat. But God wants a relationship. He wants more. He doesn't want worship born out of only commitment. He doesn't want us a worship that just checks all the boxes but misses the point. He even tells us that God wishes we wouldn't worship Him at all rather than worship Him in a dishonoring way. Oh, what? He said, I wish one of you would just shut the temple doors. Just be done with it. If you're going to come and do this, don't make a useless fire. Don't waste the wood. We're in the middle of a desert. <laughs> don't waste it. It's a useless fire if you're not bringing what, what, what's true worship. If you're not doing what I called you to do. He said, just, just shut the door. If you come to church to just check the box, it's a useless fire. 
If you pray for your meals or have a quiet time just because that's what you're supposed to do, it's a useless fire. But God doesn't want useless worship. It displeases Him. He won't accept it. He said, you know, and why would we want to give worship that He's not going to accept? How many of you, when you buy a Christmas gift for somebody, just walk in the store and say, I don't do it, and just grab it and walk off? <laughs> we don't. We go, oh. You know, I bet Carrie would really like that. And we put thought into it. Because you want to make sure the person who takes the gift accepts it. Because the worst thing in the world that we can do is find that gift that we gave to Carrie on Betty's mantle one day. Because Carrie didn't like it and she just passed it off to Betty because she didn't accept the gift. That's, that's God. I mean, why would we want to come and bring... Worship that God's not going to accept. God calls us to so much more because He wants more. Let's be clear. There are times when we have been spiritually worked over. And all we can manage is the commitment. And God understands that. God understands the valleys. He understands those trials. He understands the fact that it is everything I have to get out of bed and get to that people. And he understands that. But that shouldn't be all you ever give. The purpose of giving only that is to get you to the point that God brings you to give more. That's the thing, man, because God wants to pour so much. God understands that, but he doesn't want it to become a lifestyle. But he goes on, he's talking really to the priests really a lot here. And he says, worshiping in, in that way and leading others to do so can cause a loss of blessing. He says the deceiver is cursed. Doesn't really give any specifics there. Just the deceiver. An Israelite. And then with the priest, he says, and the priests are those with the special revelation, the special insight, the complete revelation of what God has for us. He says, more specifically, I got some things for you, but before we get there, let's talk about 1 Peter 2.9. Um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim his praises. You can't get more revelation than we have as believers. <laughs> we have the full revelation of God. He has ordained us all as priests. So we all would fall under that same kind of that same kind of curse. He says, if you do this, I'm going to curse your blessings. He said, I'm going to turn your blessings into curses. I'm going to ruin your reputation. I'm going to spread animal waste on your face. You're going to be despised and humiliated. You're going to be all these things. There's a danger. When we don't worship God in the right way, and we need others to do the same thing, there's a danger that we can lose some blessing. We're not going to lose our salvation. We could lose some blessing. How many people have you known in your life who were disgraced because they just weren't in the right path? They weren't where they were supposed to be. I don't know how many friends I have, family members I have, whoever else I have, that I watch on Facebook who all day long are talking about loving Jesus. 
but their life doesn't exemplify what they're saying. Where does that lead other people to believe? What does that lead them to do? It goes on to say, be like Levi. Be like Levi. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. I gave these to him. What do you want more in life than anything? Life and peace, right? I mean, don't you want to be able to live in this thing we call the world and not worry about every little thing that happens? There was a point where we started having kids and I'm going, what am I doing? Why am I bringing little nuggets into a world like this? This is crazy. Because the world we're handing off isn't the world that I was born into. And I've struggled with that. But, the Son of God who holds the world in his hands. <laughs> and he's promised like he did Levi, if we just worship him truly, that he'll give us what he gave Levi, life and peace. He said, and he saw me with reverence and awe. That's where I think sometimes we drop the ball. Because it's a great song. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I love it. But... He's still the God of all creation. He's still great. He still speaks and exists. He still changes the world with the word. That's who God is. Do we have that kind of reverence? That kind of awe? It says that he revered me and stood in awe by my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing wrong was found on his lips. Oh, man. <laughs> we have a... We have a... Uh, an epidemic in our society. I have a feeling that... <coughs> our lips have lots of things on them that they shouldn't have. It's funny because <laughs> I try really, really hard not to say things that uh, I know we shouldn't say. And sometimes I get laughed at because I will, I will arrive in pain. I can hit my thumb with a hammer, but my mouth doesn't open because I know if it does, What's going to come out is not right to say. So I, that's all I did. Because I, I know how that feels. The lesson here overall, though, is that our true lack of worship is ours. Because God's going to be feared and worshipped among the nations. We only hurt ourselves. We only hurt ourselves when we don't worship God's way. <laughs> We're missing something. We miss a blessing. We missed the blessing. I remember I was seven years old, and uh, Mama worked at Thrift Town. You know what Thrift Town was? Mama worked at Thrift Town, and my aunt Linda worked at Mervyn. 
around the corner. And uh, you know, they both were giving away those great big stockings at Christmas time, the great big ones, the mesh stockings that they put games and things. They were both giving one away. But they were 15 foot stockings full of stuff. And I was like, okay. And we put my name in the pot for both of them. So we were like, okay. So we went to Mervyn's for a little while, and they got behind schedule. So then we were like, okay, we need to go to Thrift Town because they need to be over there for Mama's drawing. And I got to Mama's drawing, and it wasn't my name they pulled out. And I was so upset. And then I found out an hour later that my name was pulled out of Mervyn's. And I wasn't there. And I had missed the blessing because I wasn't doing the thing being where I needed to be. When we don't worship God how we need to worship God, we miss the blessing. We're not hurting anybody else. We're hurting us. We're hurting who we are because God wants to give us so much more. You know, this, this, this sermon comes down so strong and we sit here and we go, oh, Brother Troy, that's, that's, that's hard stuff. That's, that sounds mean. It may seem like it. But the point is God wants to give us more. He wants to open our lives to blessings we could never imagine. He wants to fill us with His Spirit even more. He wants to give us that power. He wants to give us that peace. He wants to give us life. He wants to give us so much stuff that we don't know what to do. He wants to give us more. But He asks that we give Him our best. One of the things we always try to teach kids is just do your best, right? Just do your best. And I've, I've been called mean before. Because I expect a certain level out of my kids. I expect it. And they're like, but, 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 but what if, but what if he couldn't make the A? If he couldn't make the A, I wouldn't expect it. I would expect his best. But I know when he hasn't given his best. Don't look at funny. You know it's true, right? <laughs> yes. And it's just still, I know. Because he'll come in and I go, I can't believe I made this be. And I'll be like, what did you do? What did you say? I went too fast. Exactly. You didn't get your best. And he missed a blessing because of it. And so, you know, we we give little rewards now. Okay, if you make it, if you make an A, you're gonna get a reward. If you make straight A's, you get another reward. We put rewards into place. So he'll strive for those things. So she'll strive for those things because I want them to strive for their best. I expect the best. That's what God expects. He expects our best. He, was, he wasn't asking them. I need to shut up. Okay. Um, <laughs> he wasn't ever asking Israel or us to give something that he wasn't going to replace. But so often. 
We come to God afraid to bring our best because we're afraid the payoff's not going to be good enough. That's what Israel was doing. They had a great, unblemished lamb in the field, but I'm going to bring this sickly one because it doesn't cost me as much as that great one. Because if I lose that great one, it's going to hurt me. But God's promised over and over and over in Scripture that He's going to take care of you. And if you just bring what I've asked you to bring, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do what it is that needs to be done. And when God asks us to bring our best, we've got to bring our best. We've got to, we've got to stand back and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in your promises. I'm going to trust you in our relationship. But here's the deal. If you don't have the relationship, you can't have the trust. just can't. <clears throat> well ago, I let my nine-year-old go up there to start the Facebook live stream. Why? Because I trusted that he could do it. I didn't need to be up there. Unfortunately, Facebook, who I don't trust, let me down. <laughs> if we don't have that relationship, we can't have that trust. We can't have that peace. We can't have that abundant life. You know, God deserves our honor. And He deserves us to worship truly and bring Him our very best. But I know to do so, we have to know Him. And we have to trust Him. Maybe this morning, Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe there has been things just going boom, 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 and you know, you're just like, oh my goodness, I cannot keep up. It's okay. Lean into Jesus. Take it to Him. And he will bring you peace and He will bring you life. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start into missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who came to take your sin. Maybe you've never known him. And if you don't know him, you can't trust him. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. But when you know him, you learn to walk in that relationship. Don't let one more moment go by without coming to know Jesus. Just walk the aisle. I want to know Jesus, so we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.